Welcome to Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia. Today's speaker is Dr. Bo Bruce. Tonight is one of the greatest feasts of the Church. So important that it is among the feasts that carry the distinction of being called Feasts of Obligation. Those are the feasts that priests in our Western Rite vicariate must celebrate without fail. These include some pretty obvious ones, all the Sundays of the year, Epiphany, Christmas, All Saints. But there are two from the life of the Blessed Virgin Mary. The Annunciation and her Dormition, or Falling Asleep, which we celebrate tonight. You've probably also heard it called the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary, and we'll talk about that too. These being feasts of obligation, uh, these two events in the life of Mary happen to outrank even one of the major events in the life of our Lord, the Transfiguration. One could argue very easily why the Annunciation does. One could even twist the Annunciation into a feast about the Lord, since it was, after all, in part about his conception. But why is Mary's death so important? Well, we can start with the Byzantine church calendar. Perhaps an odd place to start, but unlike our Western church calendar, which starts on the first Sunday of Advent, the Byzantine church calendar starts on September 1st, which happens to also be aligned with the Byzantine secular calendar. The first major feast of the Byzantine calendar was the birth of our Most Holy Lady on September the 8th. And the last major feast was today, August 15th, her death, or more properly, her falling asleep in the Lord. And this means that the entire Eastern Church calendar starts with Mary and ends with Mary. Mary's a foundation upon which the rest of the calendar is built. And as Dale has mentioned before, this is not an icon of Mary, it's an icon of Jesus. Jesus' birth. But babies have mothers. They aren't little cherubs floating in the air. They have moms that hold them. And that's completely true and in the same way about how Mary's life is the foundation of the calendar. Because it grounds the story of Jesus, the God-man in humanity, our humanity. The calendar secular calendar and and in some ways the church calendar at least in part is a reminder of our time human time our finiteness into which god as i think the movable feasts in the calendar remind us comes down in the fullness of time whenever that is on his own time scale that's separate from ours mary's ordinary Yet she represents how any of us could be extraordinary, if we only trust in God. Mary is a mere human being, not the God-man like her son, yet she was perfectly obedient to God. St. Luke tells us in the recounting of the Annunciation, that other feast of of obligation for Mary's life, that when the angel Gabriel responded to Mary's question of how the virgin birth would occur, that nothing will be impossible with God. Those are the same words we heard Jesus tell his disciples after his encounter with the rich young man I discussed this last Sunday. 
And Mary responded in the way that we should. The way that we should to our new, seemingly impossible commandment. And that is, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be according to your word. Although we know very little of Mary's life in the Bible and only a few additional snippets from the tradition of the church, I think that's how it was always meant to be, for two reasons. First, from what little we do know, we know that Mary was a humble and holy woman. And thus, she's a great example for all of us humans. Second, through that humble and holy stepping away from being in the limelight, she lets our story simply become her story. So if we want to know the life of Mary, we only need to be holy, humble, and trust in God. We only have to let go of ourselves, submit to our loving God, let him be first, let him take the limelight, and just let it be, as the beautiful Marian anthem by the Beatles reminds us. And if we do that, we will experience the life of Mary, not in those details which we think are lacking from the official story, but in the substance that matters. We'll live her story through our own lives. And that's what Mary and her son want for us to do. They want us to follow in her example as mere human beings following God obediently and believing that anything is possible with him. So why do we celebrate the falling asleep of Mary? Well, because that's going to be part of our story too, just as it was for her son. We celebrate it because it's to be our ultimate experience. We will all die one day just as she did. Mary's death after a faithful life to God, followed by her resurrection and place in the heavenly kingdom, seals God's promise of our resurrection and our eternal life with God. And at this point, I'll mention the assumption. In our Western rite, we do continue to also call this feast the Assumption of Mary. And yet, because of some controversy about the Assumption as it's understood from a Roman Catholic perspective, I do want to address that a little bit here. First, there is an Orthodox tradition of Mary, particularly in the iconic traditions, being accompanied by a host of angels ascending to heaven after her death in the icons of the Dormition. We do believe, in fact, that she is in heaven, and she had to get there somehow. And we certainly believe her to be there in the body, not just spirit. After all, we do not believe we are resurrected as bodily souls. We are not angels tiptoeing through the clouds when we die. Just as Jesus, we will be resurrected body and soul. And we say as much in the Apostles' Creed. We believe in the resurrection of the body full stop. But we do definitively reject that Mary was in some way different from any of the rest of us by nature, or that she was deified in some ontological manner, that she somehow became a deity, versus our usual view of theosis by grace, where we become the fullness of our likeness to God again that he gave us at creation as a good gift. We're still human, and so was Mary. That aside, though, 
My favorite motif is actually the one where Jesus is standing at her bedside, holding a little version of Mary, just like the icon we see in the back with the people in reverse. He's holding little Mary like his baby in his arms in the background. While in the foreground, she lays dead, asleep in the Lord in the bed, surrounded by the disciples. And if you saw the picture that I posted to Facebook earlier, that's one representation of that visual. And that is indeed what we will become. Eternally, the reborn of God, the children of God, if we, like Mary, gain our sustenance from God. We will want to dwell with God. We, if we want to dwell with God, I mean, we have to be like her. We must become the very dwelling place of God as she did. We must become like her, the Ark of the Covenant, carrying the very word of God. We must listen to her son, as she did, and as she instructed those to do who encountered him. And finally, we must not believe for a moment that we can do all of this, or even very much of it, or perhaps any, any of it, on our own. But instead, put our trust wholly in God, as she did, and let him come to the forefront. Let him shine through us and make the seemingly impossible possible in our lives too. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Talks at Advent. Homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia.